0: Hi everyone, welcome to the Oak Hill podcast, Deep Roots, conversations about theology and ministry. We are so glad you're here with us. My name is Eric Ortland, and I teach Hebrew and Old Testament at Oak Hill.
1: And my name is Tim Ward. I teach uh, biblical interpretation and word ministry here at college. And with us today, kind of in the hot seat, is uh, Johnny Jukes. Our college president, Johnny, great to have you. Um, obviously, we know what you do, but for those uh, watching and listening in, t- tell us what your role here is.
2: Sure. I serve as the college president. Uh, I teach in the area of Christian leadership. I try to look after the ordinance, the Anglican ordinance, who are heading out of here and serve in Church of England roles in different contexts. And uh, again, try to help students land in church placements on Sundays uh, and block placements through the summer while they're here.
1: Great. Now, um, Actually, for those who don't know, uh, may not know of you, obviously some will. Tell us a little bit about your history in working life in Christian ministry before you arrived here.
2: Sure. Uh, Converted at school, uh, served uh, after university in a couple of churches and kind of intern roles, one in Cambridge, one in London. Uh, Trained for ministry, went to serve in Sevenoaks in a curacy there, a larger church there. Uh, Grew up in in a sort of village church context in, in the Cotswolds. Went on from Sevenoaks to serve in London uh, in a role alongside Dick Lucas for a number of years, and then at St. Helen's Bishop's Gate for some years, and then went to Yorkshire to just outside Hull, where we were privileged to stay for a long time. And then to here. And then to here, absolutely, absolutely.
1: Well, it's it's great to be serving here with you. Now, we asked you, what do you want to talk about? (laughs) And you've got your Bible open at the Book of Ruth.
2: I have. I'll tell you why. I've always loved Ruth. I've always loved the book. Um, maybe just because I grew up on a farm, I, I love kind of harvests and stuff, <laughs> that kind of thing. But but I've also had the privilege of, in the last uh, month or so spending time with two church families, separate parts of the country, immersed in these four chapters and this particular story. And it, it has just come alive for me again, really, in, in ways that it looks like a short, small book, and it is, but it's also big and spacious and has huge horizons. And I'd love to talk about that with you guys. Yeah.
0: That's wonderful. You even mentioned uh, beforehand, and it could be we're going to get into this later, but you mentioned that as part of your most recent teaching, you saw something in Ruth you had not seen before. We might be getting to it later, but this is always very interesting to me when someone knows a passage really well and then it says something new to them. What what did you see that you hadn't seen before? I I think each chapter has got things that I'm
2: noticing freshly. So I I notice um, in the first chapter, starting in Bethlehem, heading off to Moab and then coming back to Bethlehem and that it's 10 years later. And the timing that that took, what it was like for the women, men of Bethlehem as, as they got on the bus, as it were, and left town. And then what was it like for her that she was virtually unrecognizable? Can this be Naomi when she comes back 10 years later? Yeah. And immersing myself in that passage of time, that many funerals, that much suffering, that much, if you like, um, swapping of sweetness for bitterness and swapping of fullness for emptiness,
0: resonated Mm -hmm.
2: in all kinds of ways.
0: One of the things that fascinates me about Ruth is many stories will start out with things are pretty good and then they gradually get worse and worse and worse. Then you get to the climax, it gets better, the story ends. Mm -hmm. Ruth seems opposite in that way. Naomi's life starts out pretty well all the tragic stuff and it really is tragic happens in chapter one and then it seems to me things get better and better and better and better um, and I wonder if the characters would have been entirely happy for things to have stopped maybe around chapter two they would have said well this is the best we can hope for yeah. but in God's wonderful goodness it gets better and better and then it ends in a very special place yeah. have, have you noticed something similar?
2: Yeah, I, I I think, I, I find myself thinking at the end of chapter one, when she comes back and says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara what would you want to say to her? Hmm. What would you want to say to her if you're either one of the women of Bethlehem, we don't hear from them until chapter four, or if you're one of the men of Bethlehem, we don't hear from them until chapter four. And how would you want to speak to her without, in a sense, um, casting yourself in the role of one of Job's comforters? And we're onto all sorts of territories to what could have been said to her that might not have been helpful doctrinally Hmm. or pastorally at that particular time. Wow.
1: Do you you think the chapter is hinting at the, we're into chapter one now in terms of the character of Naomi, I think i would be persuaded that the narrator is wanting to say, yes, Naomi, you are greatly to be pitied. However, there is this woman, Ruth, yeah. who has committed herself to you. I mean, I, I can imagine Ruth standing there where Naomi says, I have come back empty. <laughs> and Ruth standing there going... <laughs> I'm, I, I'm standing right here, did you, hello. Did you yeah. not notice yeah. how much I gave up to be here, yeah. committed yeah. to you? Yeah. Is there a sense of that, do you think?
2: I absolutely think that. She's not as empty as she professes that yeah. she is, in effect. Yeah. Her life is not as fully bitter as she says that it is. Yeah. Although there are plenty of reasons for feeling empty. Yeah. And that it's God's responsibility that she's empty. That's the other thing. I've, you know, she's got an argument with God because mm-hmm. it's so, God who's done it to her. By the end of that chapter, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah.
0: I love how that's written in the last two verses. <clears throat> Naomi, you know, I, I, I call me Mara, call me bitter, and then the narrator says Ruth is standing right next to her, <laughs> and it's the beginning of the barley harvest, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is which is the time you want to be there. You want to be there at harvest time in mm-hmm. ancient Israel, yeah. and just not trumpeting it, not hit, hitting us over the head with it, but things are about to get a lot better for everyone
2: involved. Yeah, yeah. Eric, yeah, yeah. I'd love to ask you about the meaning of the names in that first yeah. chapter. Uh, yeah. or, or, or you know or his name, Marlon, Killion. what do those names start to kind of trigger for us and set up in terms of expectations? Oh boy, the, the names of the two husbands,
1: Yeah,
2: Marlon and Kilion. I'm not sure what those, I'd have to look those up to be honest. Well, my understanding to... is that one means kind of critically ill and the other means terminally ill as the book. I don't know if that's right.
0: Uh, I'd have to look at all on. um If I'm thinking of the right root, then critically ill might fit. Don't quote me on this. I'd have to check. I, 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 One of the boffins I've been reading suggests that. Sure, sure. Um, um, yeah, R- R- I don't know what Ruth means. It, it's not an Israelite name, but uh, Naomi's name, the, the way she names herself. Yeah. That, that's definitely something we're we're. And Elimelech, to
2: as he starts out, in terms of his, uh, uh, um, going off leaving, does that mean my God is king, something like that?
0: Uh, so let's see, what, what Six, verse two, is that in, Johnny? And, Elimelech, yeah, yeah, Elimelech is my God is king, yes.
2: And the thing about that is that, the, the, I don't know what you make of this, that there they are in Bethlehem, the mm. place where God provides bread, and he doesn't, yeah. and someone whose name means that God is in charge yeah. um, leaves. Yeah. Uh, and there's no sign of him kind of praying. There's no kind of permission to go down to Moab. What are we to make of that, do you think?
0: That, that, that That's a I, good can, question. Can
1: go. I, I w- let me say the view I've come to on that. And go then on. I, re- just as a preliminary, because then I want to hear from the Hebrew yeah. scholar on this yeah, yeah, one. yeah, go on. I think I've come, sounds like you're thinking the narrative is hinting, perhaps through the names and, and Bethlehem, House of Bread. They shouldn't have... <laughs> Not all is well with them spiritually in them departing when a famine comes.
2: I'm going to say there's an ambiguity there. I, I would want to say, why is there a famine? Um, okay. This is the time when the judges rule. This, if you're going to put a backing track to it, sounds like a minor rather than a major key, as it were. Go on.
1: Okay. I, when I worked through it, I came to the view that this is one of those places where the narrative is blanking, Is sometimes the technical thing. so. Choose leading us to say, don't make a moral judgment yeah, yeah, on mm, this action. Yeah, mm, yeah. don't because yeah. you've given evidence why it might one someone might think it's hinting this is a bad thing for them to leave. Yeah, if they don't pray. Yeah, the, guy, the guy's name is God is king. God's yeah. God's sovereign over this yeah. famine. Yeah, but then is it Genesis twenty six? Isaac's instructed to stay away when there's a famine Absolutely. so you weigh up the biblical evidence of what's going on in the narrative mm. it seems to me it's just we're told this because you just need to know this because otherwise you won't understand how this is what happened effectively
2: yeah and no narrator pops up and says this was a really bad idea that
0: doesn't happen in this yeah, story yeah. does right. it what do no, you wouldn't right. think Well, I mean, I I think it's standard practice when there's a famine, you sojourn somewhere else where there's food. You know, the stuff about the the laws about the sojourner and the Pentateuch don't take advantage of these people and it's easy to do so. And yet there are other examples of Genesis of the normal practice showing a lack of faith in God. But as you say, we can't quite draw that judgment. The narrator setting up how how Ruth and Naomi are together and why she comes back so desolate, bitter, and empty.
1: A while ago, I heard a sermon on Ruth chapter 1, and a key application was don't be like this, family. Mm. When really tough times come from the Lord's hand, don't run away. Look for his blessing in them. You're shaking. Yeah, my, pr- my blood pressure is rising right now. Okay, fair enough. Fair
0: <laughs> that's enough. good. It's a good sign that we're not. That's the wrong track, isn't it? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> there might be pastoral wisdom there, but it's not the message. Yeah. There, 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 are definitely do's and don'ts from the Book of Ruth. Yeah. Um. Not only as we've already said, the narrator doesn't make a big deal out of that. Right. He is rushing through the early history to yeah. to then zero in as, as you know the, the the time slows down in chapters two, three, and four. But I think a much better application would be something like. Maybe you did something wrong, maybe you didn't. But life sometimes is really tragic. Mm. And in those cases, the profound, powerful goodness of God through other human beings is going to meet you in a way that you're not asking for, you can't anticipate. And so the application would be, where are the Ruths in your life? Mm. How, how is God, you know, there, there's that phrase in Jeremiah, refusing to be comforted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, that is. there are people in every church, Christians who love God, who have had their hearts broken. And at a deep level, they say, they they give up and they say, I guess this is just how my life is right now. And they resign themselves to permanent unhappiness. And the book of Ruth says, it's very, it's sympathetic to Naomi or Mara, as she wants to be called. Doesn't leave her there, but it's, we sympathize with her. Yeah. And yet, God, it is just the beginning of such profound goodness for her. I think the application would be, where are the Ruths? It, the application would be, that's sometimes how life is. Yeah. Now, where... How, how can you be open and ready for God's unimaginable goodness to meet you in a way? Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm preaching now. but No,
2: no, right? no. I would just want to press you on another example of it, uh, another aspect of it. As she goes, mm. he decides to go down. Mm. No discussion of whether she is feeling it's a good idea or not. and No mm. acknowledgement of a possible gap between husband's mm. perception and wife's duty and loyalty to go mm-hmm. with him. Same issue arises about the marriages of the sons and and the destination of being Moab. Um, What kind of sort of trigger warning follows, do you think, um, when Moab is mentioned and the origin of Moab becomes prominent, if you like, as we think about what happens in Moab? Do you you think we carry with with us the story of Moab's origin and their kind of spirituality?
0: Is that present? This is why Talmud is thousands of pages long. The rabbis sit around and they say one opinion, another opinion, another boy, you 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 could say, "Ah, the narrator doesn't make a lot out of that, so we shouldn't, but boy, you could get a lot out of that. You could get a lot out of the the you know in genesis twenty four it's so important that the covenant line doesn't intermarry. But then again, we're really glad that Naomi has Ruth for a daughter in- law. I mean what a what a, what a profoundly godly woman willing to forsake Moab's gods and serve Yahweh. That doesn't justify doing that, but it. But the narrator could have just said Ellie and Naomi went to a far country or something like that. He says Moab, yeah. so it, that can be really hard to tease out. It can be really hard to know how much the narrator wants us to get out of that. Yeah. It can be very hard to know how much or how are we supposed to evaluate that? Um, are we back in the cave with Lot and his daughters? I mean, that's where
2: Moab comes from, isn't it? I mean,
1: oh, I, yeah. Go ahead, Tim. I I mean, I I think that's enormously significant. Go on. We're jumping ahead to chapter three. Yeah. But chapter three, read in light of Genesis 19, Genesis 19, Mm. a very unpleasant story of Mm. incest, of how Moab is born. Mm. I mean, Ruth's graciousness and godliness and carefulness in chapter three looks to me like it's Moab embodied in Ruth. Effectively, is a kind of redemption for Moab Mm. by an undoing of what happens in Genesis 19. Mm. Am, I, am I saying they're the right kind of way, do you think? Is mm. that what's going
0: on? Mm. Mm. A Moabitess um, marrying in a much better, more moral, more God-glorifying way than happened in Genesis. Yeah. Is, that, is that okay to say, do you think? I, I, think it, I, mean, I think it
2: is. I think I want to sort of um, think about how women experience life mm. in, in the book as it develops because mm. it seems to me it is, it is so brutally honest and mm. frank about vulnerability, mm. desperation, mm. calculation of no other way forward for those two women. Mm. It's easy to just sort of wag a finger at them. Mm. But what kind of situation would you find yourself in that that seemed like the least worst option for the way forward?
0: Wow. Um, Where you have to take those risks it, and be vulnerable.
2: Yeah. But wow. also do something that is, that is you know, um, against all kind of convention of any kind yeah. because there is another impulse and pressure yeah. that, that makes that a kind of rational act um, yeah. in that situation. Mm. It's an
0: appalling picture of a society uh, and a set of convictions. I would love to talk more about Ruth's boldness and hear what you think, but I can't help but point out how Orpa, the other wife, yeah. she, she pales in comparison to Ruth's yeah. faithfulness, mm-hmm. yeah. but there's no condemnation of her. Yeah. Uh, Naomi essentially says, I'm a sinking ship. Yeah. Just go make a life for yourself the best yeah. you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And And it's like... Ruth has the theological vision to do this incredibly courageous thing. Yeah. And and or- Orpah suffers in comparison to her, but there's no condemnation of her. And there's no condemnation of the unnamed potential husband in chapter four who chooses not to yeah. redeem these yeah. women. Yeah. He pales in comparison to Boaz, yeah. but there's no there's no moralizing no. against these
1: people. Because no, what Orpah does is entirely reasonable, isn't it? Or yeah. Orpah, yes. Orpah's chances of finding a husband... She's straddled with a woman who's entirely bereft, who yeah. all pr- almost, like, I mean, who's going to remember her? Yeah. She's going back to, f- her chance of finding a husband there are basically nil, which yeah. is what Naomi says to her. Yeah. And Norbert goes, you're right. Yeah. This is the wisdom of the world. And it's, Ruth does the mad thing. Isn't yeah, she? yeah. Either saying, it's what Ruth effectively says to Naomi in chapter one is, I'm prepared to accept a life without a husband mm. to be with you and your God. Yeah. Which now, obviously, for some people now, singleness could be something that they don't want and mm. would look forward to that life. There's not everybody, but that will mm. be some. But clearly, back in this culture, there's mm. there's more than just companionship going on here, isn't there? Mm. I mean, mm. so, socially, she's in big trouble potentially if she's not married.
0: You know, maybe in addition to the application of look for the root God, look for God to send you a Ruth, an application is who in your church needs a Ruth. Mm. And maybe you can be a Ruth to that person with a crazy level of yeah, devotion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
2: also think that Naomi's not at her best, if I can put it like that, yeah. in the first chapter. Yes. I mean, when she says to, to these orsinals go back to your gods, there's yeah. something, in a sense, disloyal about that towards the god that she's going back That's to true. be fed by. That's true. And yet, yes. even in a sense, if, if I think we see development in her as the story develop, goes mm-hmm. on. But even at her worst, she's still a kind of vehicle through whom the God of Israel is to make able to make Himself known. Yeah. That's tremendously encouraging. Yeah. That even on a bad day or a bad ten years, she's still able to be an evangelist to yeah. Ruth in that yeah. way. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. yeah, this is all in chapter one. This is tremendous. <laughs> oh, we could spend the whole time here. Shall we? Let's go on. Well, yeah. let, can I do some more in chapter one? No, so well, yeah, as <laughs> long as you're in charge. Well, well no, go I,
2: I just think that to think about. Um, a a person summarizing a decade of experience Mm. as being an experience from God of going from fullness to emptiness Mm. and sweetness to bitterness is a kind of reality that that in churches we need to have space to hear that and that's quite difficult actually not to rush into saying well you know if you hadn't agreed with the osman in the first place, it wouldn't have happened to you. Wow. Or if you hadn't been so pig-headed or unbelieving or whatever it was, not to wow. moralize or, or, or give lesson, as it were, or, or again, head off down the road of the Job's comforter response, is very difficult. Yeah. And one of the beautiful things about the chapter is that the people of Bethlehem don't say anything. Yeah. Uh, perhaps because we're not told what they said, we don't yeah. see what they said, But they do reincorporate her. She is welcome back in. There seems to be kind of some settling back once they've realized that it is still the same Naomi. And just think about that for a moment, about what kind of village should we be? What sort of welcome would we offer? Naomi's coming home. Interesting. Wow.
1: Even if the words of lament are somewhat exaggerated and miss the blessings that yeah. are. P- yeah. the, the, men, the lament doesn't have to yeah. see everything clearly. Who sees everything clearly you, when they're lamenting?
2: Bethlehem's not saying, come on, you're overdoing it a bit. You know, That's not yeah, what yeah, they yeah. say to her. The
0: narrator gives Naomi room to be brokenhearted and, and bitter and depressed and yeah. doesn't smack her right away and say, yeah. knock out of it. Yeah. Text doesn't leave her there, but the narrator doesn't moralize mm. against no. her. No. Yeah.
2: No. Okay, this, I mean, there's lots more
0: we can talk about on that. I mean,
2: just if we talk at chapters two and three together, one of the things that strikes me about them is their is their shared structure.
0: Yeah.
2: That we kind of, you know, each time we start in Na- in Naomi's house as a conversation, yeah. then we go out into a field and then we come back to Naomi's house. Then we start in Naomi's house and we go off to the barn, the threshing floor, and come back to Naomi's house for the conversation. Yeah. And what strikes me is, is that... Um, This is 12 weeks between the beginning of the first harvest and the end of the last harvest. Very different. Smaller canvas. One is outside uh, during the day. Mm. The other is inside during the night. In each of those central episodes, Boaz says something critical. There's a key moment when he says, look what Ruth is. To Ruth, here's what you are. Mm. And, And one presumably sort of in front of all his workmen in the field. And the other I take it, is as a in the barn because it's a bit dodgy in the barn to have a, you know, a conversation at full volume because mm. she can't be seen there. Mm. So he can't sort of give a speech in the mm. barn. Mm. And then each of those critical moments from Boaz interpreting Ruth to us in a way, introducing mm. Ruth or affirming Ruth for us has massive kind of biblical horizons. That's where can, that comes
0: can, from. Can you show us those verses just so, uh, the, the two things Boaz says yeah, yeah, about yeah, Ruth sure. in, in so, chapters two and three? Yeah, so
2: into chapter two where where Ruth takes the initiative and it's Boaz, uh, it's Naomi takes initiative in chapter three, mm. but she goes into the field and then Boaz, I mean, it's very striking in verse four, the first words that Boaz says is the Lord be with you. Hmm. And then his workmen respond, the Lord bless you. Hmm. I sometimes wonder if people went out of church life on Sunday to Monday, <laughs> the first <laughs> thing they say in the office is, the Lord be with you, yeah. how that would go. Yeah. Um, but but it, it's it looks great, certainly looks great for him. Subsequently, when um, he's talking about his men, I've told the men not to lay a hand on you in verse nine. So the men who can say the Lord be also with you Uh, he has to warn them against touching up Ruth when she's in the field. And there's a bit of a gap there between their liturgical response and the vulnerability that Ruth has in the field. And then I love the way that um, he talks about her in verse 11, I've been told all about what you've done. Wonderful affirmation Mm. for her. And then the key phrase is prayer for her, verse 12, may Mm. the Lord repay you. And then this little phrase May be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you've come to take refuge. There's the first one. Yeah. And then, the second one, middle of the night, uh, when he wakes up, uh, who are you? Verse 9 in chapter 3. And then uh, he affirms her, verse 10, the Lord bless you, my daughter, mm. and the kindness that she's shown. And the little phrase at the end of verse 11 of chapter 3 don't be afraid, I'll do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Mm. So moving from refuge under the wings of God in mm. the field to the noble character mm. in the farm, in the barn on the mm. farm. Mm. And there's all sorts of connotations assert- in that surrounding that episode that it may not be that, it, it kind of, is it that noble? Well, mm. it, well it is, but mm. his mm. assessment is that the whole town knows who you really are. Mm. And this episode is in, in, in line with the noble character that the whole town knows her mm-hmm. to be.
0: And Boaz sees that, affirms Ruth, yeah. and has some of the most theologically significant lines. In, yeah. in the, the middle book. of the night, in the dark, in yeah. a barn,
2: after they've all had plenty to drink, yeah. when it was really dodgy for her to go and find him among the other men who were sleeping there, he's just realized that she's saying, will you marry me? And yet, in those circumstances, yeah. affirms her as the woman of noble character. Yeah. yeah.
1: I think I picked this up. Is this right that fr- in Hebrew, uh, that phrase translated in three eleven, a woman of noble character. The only hmm. other, Old Testament usage is at the end of the book of Proverbs. That's, as
0: I remember, it's Eshet Chayil, and Chayil can mean an army, wealth, or strength. So, so Ruth. It, I mean, it, not strictly literally, but Ruth is an army. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's worth yeah. more than a fortune, yeah. and she's she's a tough, strong woman.
1: Is the word that comes to mind, which may not be the right word, is subversive? It, Ruth is kind of subversive, then, isn't it, within right. the Old Testament? The right. you've got the the end of Proverbs, uh, the wife of noble character, right. and the only woman in the entire Old Testament yeah. who is named who is was described as that is a Moabite.
2: I'd love to know what, Eric what's that. going yeah, on here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, lo- I mean, I, I. Whenever I come across, I would love to know how they read it. Does that makes what what was I, happening in the I village give, where they read it. I uh, would
0: give so much to be able to ask an ancient Israelite, "What yeah. do you see when you read this?" Yeah, it, it, you know, we, it, the text never lets us forget she's a Moabitist. Yeah. Seven times we're told that she's a Moab. And there's there's a lot about Moab in the Old Testament, but the narrator never comments. He just says it and lets it. I mean, it's similar with In the Days of the Judges. The fact that we know that, the book would still be so beautiful and meaningful if we didn't know exactly when it happened. Yeah. But it happens in the midst of the most horrifying. Yeah. The most horrifying book in the Old Testament. Yeah. And then all this other beautiful stuff is happening. You, you read it differently. Wow. I don't quite know how to tease all that out. But the Old Testament is continually suggesting and hinting and prompting we I, I, the text could just say Ruth was a foreigner. Yeah. But seven times we're told she's a Moabite. I don't quite know where to go, but we're supposed to notice that. To- do you think it's an invitation
2: now to go back to the beginning of the story and read it again now that you know that's what Boaz says about her? Mm. So you know, in back in chapter one, how did she become a woman of noble character? What well, must mm. have been coaching from Naomi to some extent, in spite of Naomi being very unhappy with God. Mm. And then how is that growth? And what does that look like as it's cashed out in chapter two, as it mm. were, when she goes out works hard in the field. Here in the barn, it's consistent with that. Going forward to the future, the village know that, they pray for that. And it's sort of, reread it with that phrase in your head, as it were, to guide you.
1: One of the things that strikes me in chapter two is that it's it's constantly Ruth. Ruth is coming home from the field with grain to feed Naomi. And the wife of Noble, character in Proverbs is someone who cares well for her household, manages her household well, so they're provided for and looked after. And, We've already seen um, uh, the scene with Boaz, chapter 3, is a yeah. kind of undoing of the way Moab was born back in chapter 19. Yeah. Cause another big Moabite thing, Deuteronomy 23. Mm-hmm. I remember, um, Moab specifically under judgment because it did not feed Israel. Yeah. And here's a Moabite.
0: Mm. who is the feeding one who Israel. keeps <laughs> yeah, right. here is
1: now Moab feeding Israel mm. so he's yeah. a noble character because although she's a pagan from a pagan nation under, con- under God's condemnation uh, she she's not cursed to act like the rest of Moab mm. not cursed to act like her ancestors mm. she can act like a faithful member of the house of God and so she will become that because she pledges her allegiance with Yahweh that seems to be that's really subversive, isn't it?
0: If you're if you're an ancient Israelite reading that, that would really change how you looked at Moab. Yeah. It doesn't dismiss the other things in the Old Testament yeah, yeah, yeah. about Moab, but yeah. boy, there, there's there's no you know nationalistic zeal. We're mm. so much better than all of them, yeah. and, and
2: God is at work producing fruit out of Moab, in fact, yeah. <laughs> isn't He? Bringing wow. people in
0: out of Moab. Wow. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah Moabites are not condemned to act like Moab. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: You used the word vulnerability more than once. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's. That's a helpful thing for me to remember. Um, I've tried to think of the times of my life where I was the only man in the room with a group of women. Group of women, it doesn't happen very often. I always notice it when I do. Um, When I'm out walking at night, I never worry about my daughter, 17 years old. She says when she's out, she's always looking around. She's clocking her exits all the time. She's every single time. She's, I never have to worry about that. this is, this is part of Ruth's tremendous courage and initiative. Mm. Uh, the word initiative keeps coming to mind with regard to Ruth, and in Proverbs 31, mm. these are not passive women right. uh, sit, sitting around waiting to be told what to do, but because of Ruth's chesed and her profound devotion to Naomi, yeah. she will take the initiative, risk vulnerability, I mean, I mean, in ways that are really kind of dangerous in some ways, but just so blessed, and that and, and God undertakes for her so that she's safe. Yeah.
2: Can I ask you about the taking refuge phrase? It, yeah.
0: um, it, again, I think this
2: is um, sort of a preview of what David does in the Psalms, mm. isn't it? Because that's a repeated yeah. phrase yes. that at the beginning of some of the Psalms. Yes. And again and again and again, David's the one who takes refuge. And is this therefore, a, if you like, a portrait of his, which is great-granny, isn't it, Um, doing that before when we see that embodied in him. It's already embodied in her. What do you make of that? Because isn't it right that in one arrangement of the Old Testament, you go out of Ruth into the Psalms. The Psalms is a book that comes next in
0: one arrangement of the Old Testament. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it's impossible not to hear those together. Mm. Finding refuge in God's Mm. wings shows up all the time in the Psalms. Uh, Not only there, but mostly there. Perhaps this is one way to get to it. Let, 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 let me give an interpretation of Ruth, and you tell me if I'm being too negative here. Is Boaz helping Ruth along? Tell me if this is what you're getting at, Johnny. But is Boaz helping Ruth along with that phrase, taking refuge under your wings in chapter 2? Could it be that in chapter 1, Ruth just says, Naomi, I'm sticking with you, whoever this Israelite God might happen to be. I'll, I'll be, you know, tribe, ethnos, God, up I'm with you. And Boaz sees that and is helping uh, Ruth along spiritually by saying, even if you didn't fully consciously intended this, your actions speak a trust in the Israelite God and you're taking refuge under his wings. And that, I mean, I assume it was a common phrase in ancient Israel, and the narrator gives us that so that we can clue that in to David's profound trust of God in the Psalms. We can see Ruth is doing that, and maybe that's an eye-opening moment for Ruth. Maybe she's coming to realize who God is and what it, who, what it looks like to trust the Israelite God as Moabites is that crazy?
2: What? what no, do I don't think it's crazy at all. I think it's really interesting that again, the, the narrator never gives us much insight into Ruth's thinking. We don't see whether she's sort of enjoying committing herself to yeah. uh, to Naomi in chapter one. Yeah. We don't know how it was for her in the in the field. We yeah. know she's pretty excited when she comes home. Yeah. And it looks as though she's having to take the initiative in chapter one alongside Naomi because it feels that the, if you like, the first step is hers. Yeah. Whereas in chapter three, the first step appears to be Naomi's. Yeah. You know, you need to find your husband. And, yes. and that's her plan at that stage. Yeah. Yeah. So the fact that Boaz may be opening out to her spiritual realities that are dimly seen by her at that stage and he's making them plainer, I think it's a very.
1: thoughtful. I, line. I'm finding this really interesting. I'm not
0: saying I'm right I'm throwing this out as a possibility well, T- Eric, Tim, tell, Eric tell my, me my first think.
1: assumption is always I hear something from you and I just assume <laughs> it, I just assume it's right unless proved otherwise it's, it's a funny. very
0: very unwise assumption I
1: live I live my life by the rule hasn't failed me yet <laughs> uh, although probably will at some point <laughs> the thought that that's just sparking, I just I that's think certain. this is just developing what you've just been saying might then one of the points in which that Tracing Ruth through chapters one, two, three, mm. the character of Ruth could be incredibly helpful in helping people, not Christian, but beginning to be somehow intrigued by the people of God and the God we talk about. Mm. That's, as you say, we, that was sparked for me, Eric, by you saying, what, what does Ruth really know about the God of Israel in chapter 1? Mm. And the answer is we don't really know what mm. she knows. Mm. But um, I'll commit myself to your God and your people. And that's very often how someone who's not a Christian is first... They're mm. attracted by the people of God, aren't mm. they? Mm. What they see in the, the the Christian fellowship. And that therefore attracts them to the Christian God. And then they need, as it were, they need a bow, as he'll say. Come mm. come, 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 and sit with. Come and, come and come eat, eat with. with. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll begin to see the life of the people of God. Yeah. And I thought, you possibly know, possibly put this push this too far, but th- but then it's it's moving towards that point of commitment, mm. which is happening in chapter 3. Do you think that might help I, someone I, understand what the Lord well, is doing I, in I, the- I think, again, it's just,
2: it's great fun talking about this because I've begun to think that when Boaz you know, says the Lord be with you and his men respond with what sounds like similar kind of faith, mm. but he then says to to Ruth subsequently, I've told them not to touch you. Did he need to say that to her because he was worried the men would touch her up, or is he actually saying it to her to reassure her, mm. even though he knows they won't, mm. and their professional faith, if you like, expresses a spiritual reality, mm. rather than a kind of fairly formalistic form of gesture. Mm. That resonates with you then. There is a set of relationships between them, and the way, in fact, they will treat her, because of who they are, that he reassures her that it will be so that they won't touch her, for example. But
1: even... I mean, this may be a step too far, but he, But he's, Boaz is saying, even if it is the case that there are dangers for you within the covenant community, yeah. mm. but yeah. there, is, there is protection for you. Mm. Now, I, I'm thinking aloud. I may decide that, to backtrack on that. Mm. But, I think it's really interesting. But there is something like that. Boaz will protect her even if there are dangers for her in this community.
0: I don't want to push this too far because in chapter one she does say, "May the Lord do 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 so to me, and more also, if anything but death." So, so that's a you know common self-imprecation in the Old Testament. So there is that. She's calling out a curse. Yeah, yeah. There is that. At the same time, you know, maybe another application here is, as churches, we need to be open to the Ruths, to the Moabites. God will send to us, and make sure we take care of them (laughs) and protect them. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: And I, I love the way both. This is what he. He basically he goes beyond yes. what Old Testament law requires. In case yes. they, I mean, the, the law, Deuteronomy is it? the law says uh, don't collect all the bits of stalk; leave some for the foreigner, the fatherless, so the widow who will come behind. Boaz says that, and then he says, "Hey guys, just." pull out, oh, I dropped a few. Oh, I I did it again. I did it again. Oh, no. Ruth, (laughs) I've just dropped. I dropped those in my back. I can't pick them. But he he goes beyond the law, doesn't he?
0: And not only that, in chapter three, if I understand it correctly, Ruth takes the risk and essentially says, Pop the question and I'll say yes, yeah. which is really taking the initiative. And yeah, yeah. I, I mean, again, this just gets my mind working for male and female roles, roles and taking the initiative and so on. And Re- Boaz doesn't take that as, oh, I'm so handsome and dashing. <laughs> he says, I'm an old bag of bones. You're clearly not interested in me. This is just about Naomi. And Boaz could say, hey, I'm not in the practice of giving free handouts. I don't want a widow. I don't want two widows to take care of. But instead he says, it means so much to me that you care so much about your mother-in-law that you're asking, this has nothing to do with me. Of course I'll marry you. And there's (laughs) going to be less for me because I've got more dependence now. But of course I'll do that. That is really beautiful.
2: Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And she goes back with sort of luggage allowance amounts of food at the end of chapter two. You know, It's a full luggage allowance at least in terms of weight. Yeah. But she goes back with more in chapter three, which mm-hmm. is, again, be- that sort of trajectory of the story. He's Just more and more yeah. goodness. Yeah. Food for his people in the bread basket. Because you know, God is only mentioned directly, is right at the beginning and right at the end, yeah. where it's the God who provides food, and then at the end it's God who provides the baby. Yeah. And those are the only two places where God directly acts in mm-hmm. the story, yeah. but He's sovereign over everything in between. And this trajectory of more and more generosity from God yeah. is established just by the amount of food she takes home. Yeah. which is beautiful, I think.
0: It really is, Johnny. This has been such a delight to talk with you. I'm I'm conscious of the time, and we yeah. don't want to take. A, I mean, we could just continue We're to kick it. this story around and just see We're new good. things. Yeah. Perhaps as we come to a close, yeah. What's and Tim? I'd like to hear the same from you. What's, what's
1: the one thing? Actually, can I just throw something in before we get uh, to what I know you're going to is a great way to end?
0: Absolutely.
1: Christ. Mm-hmm. In the ways in which you've been teaching this recently, what are the ways in which you've seen Christ in this?
2: Well, David, in the sense that running quickly through chapter four, uh, you know, a day to get married, and says, just take a day, you'll sort it out. Um lovely things being prayed for by the women and the men we first hear from them. Um, the inclusion by grace of the story going back to Perez, you know, another person born in very Mm. dodgy circumstances. Mm. The Matthew genealogy is going to include those women are all connected to this Ruth story, which is really beautiful. Rahab turns out to be Boaz's mother. And then as you travel through the story from the nine months, uh, then you've got um, 10 generations to get to David. Boaz wears the number seven shirt. The story lands at David and then we're going to look a thousand years ahead to great David, David's greatest yes. son. Yes. So that kind of trajectory. Mm. And the kind of pastoral thing is that God never tells anybody what he's doing. I absolutely wow. love that. No one in the story has a clue that this is about David. Wow. Um, and God is doing something much bigger than any of them. He's got wow. a 10 generation horizon for where this story is going to land, overall wow. in terms of what that makes, if the genealogy tells us this is what this is really about. Wow. And then a thousand years after that is where we're going to come back to Bethlehem for another episode. Wow. And I love the fact that God's horizons are so huge, wow. and the human horizons are ten years, twelve weeks a day, nine months, and ten generations. Wow! And we fit in to God's good purpose. Wow! With our little story in His big story. Wow! Mm. Wow! That's great for a church family ways we just can't anticipate yeah 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 -hmm. it'd be great i'd have a prayer meeting um praying about what god will do in a thousand years time uh, on the basis of what we did on sunday morning or in the life of this rather difficult four-year-old in the crate in the in the sunday groups as it were that god has in view something somewhere that will be a thousand years after this and this book encourages us to have horizons that big it really does yeah yeah just by the way the genealogy functions
0: right at the end yeah that's where I that's get Yes, yeah. Thank yeah. you. That's, that's really amazing. helpful. Sorry, I cut you off. What? You were going to go to a, no, no, no. a good place t- to land. T- Tim, t- tell us what is the most encouraging thing about Ruth. What, what makes you the happiest in this book?
1: Oh, that's a lovely way to... I'm clearly playing for time while I think. While I, <laughs> should, should I go first? No, Do no. But wouldn't that be a brilliant question to ask? I think I next time I lead a Bible study with the life group I lead at church, I might ask them what makes you happiest in this Bible passage. Um. The tenderness from Boaz to Ruth is is really tremendous. I mean, there there is just there is mercy over and above. I think all the way through this, Ruth's over and above mercy and kindness towards. I I I find it hard not to feel a bit angry towards Naomi in chapter one. Yes, she is to be pitied, but I do want to go. Come, come on, (laughs) Um, but yet the Lord doesn't condemn her and. Ruth, for n- no reason that's explained, just comes from entirely outside to say, I will be with you. Mm. I will be your, the one who makes sure you don't shrivel up and die in a corner in old age. Mm. I will be the one to make sure you're fed. And she's the last person who would be expected to do I- either of those two things, because she's from outside. She's from Moab, mm. which has a bad track record mm-hmm. in treating Israel on those things. Mm. I I just can't help but see a type of Christ in that—the mm. the one who comes f- entirely from a place that we do not expect. Mm. From Nazareth, I mean, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he died outside the city, really. Wow. Yeah. Hung on a tree, really. He's—he's yeah. he's the one who will be with me forever and feed me and provide me all I need. Yeah. I think for—for for me, that's where it will land, in the mercy that's shown, but particularly in the over and above outrageous mercy and kindness. Mm. At personal cost that Ruth shows to Naomi, mm-hmm. I think Ruth is an I find her a really moving mm. portrait mm-hmm. of of Christ in his entirely mm. unexpected generosity to me.
0: Mm. Mm. And for you? I, I what I find most moving about Ruth is is the it, it gets better and better and better and better. And I'm pretty sure Readers and both the readers and the characters in the story would have been happy for it to stop getting better at some point and God keeps going. All the tragedy, and it is tragic, happens in chapter one, it just gets better and better from there. There are no enemies in the book. There are no bad guys. And and this poor broken-hearted woman who has had a tragic life. Um, her life gets better and better, and then she has a role in the coming of Messiah. Um, there's so many people in our churches, mm-hmm. outside our churches, living lives of quiet despair with broken hearts who barely can barely even acknowledge it to mm-hmm. themselves. Mm-hmm. And God has unimagin- in Psalm 126, it says, when, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever been so happy. I had to pinch myself to see if I was awake. <laughs> there is a, a, an infinite, uncontainable goodness from God where broken lives yeah. become about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They get drawn into Jesus's orbit. And it gets better and better and better. That's what I find so moving.
1: That I, I find that wonderful because that slightly, rightly, condemns my sense of, I I can't help but feel a little bit cross, a little bit cross, because maybe towards the end, God doesn't say that. That's right. Yeah. He sticks with her. Yeah. And in the end, yeah. uh, she's fed. There's an inheritance. She's yeah. part of Israel. Yeah. yeah.
2: Andrew Peterson, um, singer, songwriter, yes. has a wonderful song on Matthew's begats. And he, he, amazingly he does this. He sings his way through the whole of chapter one. If you go on YouTube, someone has to, um, to put it to a little um, graphic of a Christmas tree with some baubles yeah. on it. And each of the baubles on the Christmas tree represents one of the characters in the yeah. kind of begat story in Matthew chapter one. Yeah. And if in just sort of three and a half minutes you want to hear someone sing through where the root story of Ruth lands, he does that really well. And you can see it surfacing in that chapter. chapter. Each of the women on the way to Mary yeah. is part of this bigger story. And it's oh. a beautiful way of seeing God is doing something Huge in what looks like a small book turns out to be a really spacious book
1: Tremendous This has been a great conversation I've really enjoyed this When when John hits stop on the camera now we might just keep talking (laughs) (laughs) But for now we ought to end Johnny, thank you so much Thank Thank you, you, guys. Great Great to talk Thank you